0: Chapter 6, Part 3 of Through the Brazilian Wilderness. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Ben Wilford. Through the Brazilian Wilderness by Theodore Roosevelt. Chapter 6, Through the Highland Wilderness of Western Brazil, Part 3 the paresist indians whom we met here were exceedingly interesting they were to all appearance an unusually cheerful good-humoured pleasant-natured people their teeth were bad otherwise they appeared strong and vigorous and there were plenty of children the colonel was received as a valued friend and as a leader who was to be followed and obeyed he is raising them by degrees the only way by which to make the rise permanent in this village, he has got them to substitute for the flimsy Indian cabin houses of the type usually among the poor field laborers and back country dwellers in Brazil. These houses have roofs of palm thatch, steeply pitched. They are usually open at the sides, consisting merely of a framework of timbers with a wall at the back. But some have the ordinary four walls of erect palm logs. The hammocks are slung in the houses and the cooking is also done in them with pots placed in small open fires or occasionally in a kind of clay oven the big gourds for water and the wicker baskets are placed on the ground or hung on the poles the men had adopted and were wearing shirts and trousers but the women had made little change in their clothing a few wore print dresses but obviously only for ornament most of them especially the girls and young married women wore nothing but a loincloth in addition to bead necklaces and bracelets. The nursing mothers, and almost all the mothers were nursing, sometimes carried the child slung against their side of hip, seated in a cloth belt or sling, which went over the opposite shoulder of the mother. The women seemed to be well treated, although polygamy is practiced. The children were loved by everyone. They were petted by both men and women, and they behaved well to one another the boys not seeming to bully the girls or the smaller boys most of the children were naked but the girls early wore the loin cloth and some both of the little boys and the little girls wore colored print garments to the evident pride of themselves and their parents in each house there were several families and life went on with no privacy but with good humor consideration and fundamentally good manners The man or woman who had nothing to do lay in a hammock or squatted on the ground, leaning against a post or wall. The children played together, or lay in little hammocks, or tagged round after their mothers, and when called they came trustfully up to us to be petted or given some small trinket. They were friendly little souls, and accustomed to good treatment. One woman was weaving a cloth, another was making a hammock others made ready melons and other vegetables and cooked them over tiny fires the men who had come in from work at the ferry or along the telegraph lines did some work themselves or played with the children one cut a small boy's hair and then had his own hair cut by a friend but the absorbing amusement of the men was an extraordinary game of ball in our family we have always relished oliver Herford's nonsense rhymes including the account of Willie's displeasure with his goat i do not like my billy goat i wish that he was dead because he kicked me so he did he kicked me with his head well these Paris indians enthusiastically play football with their heads the game is not only native to them but i have never heard or read of its being played by any other tribe or people they use a light hollow rubber ball of their own manufacture it is circular and about eight inches in diameter the players are divided into two sides and stationed much as in association football and the ball is placed on the ground to be put in play as in football then a player runs forward throws himself flat on the ground and butts the ball towards the opposite side this first butt when the ball is on the ground never lifts it much and it rolls and bounds towards the opponent One or two of the latter run towards it. One throws himself flat on his face and butts the ball back. Usually this butt lifts it, and it flies back in a curve well up in the air, and an opposite player, rushing towards it, catches it on his head with such a swing of his brawny neck and such precision and address that the ball bounds back through the air as a football soars after a drop kick. If the ball flies off to one side, or the other it is brought back and again put in play often it will be sent to and fro a dozen times from head to head until finally it rises with such a sweep that it passes far over the heads of the opposite players and descends behind them then thrill rolling cries of good-humored triumph arise from the victors and the game instantly begins again with fresh zeal there are of course no such rules as in a specialized ball game of civilization and i saw no disputes there may be eight or ten or many more players on each side the ball is never touched with the hands or feet or with anything except the top of the head it is hard to decide whether to wonder most at the dexterity and strength with which it is hit or butted with the head as it comes down through the air or at the reckless speed and skill with which the players throw themselves headlong on the ground to return the ball if it comes low down why they do not grind off their noses i cannot imagine some of the players hardly ever failed to catch and return the ball if it came in their neighborhood and with such a vigorous toss of the head that it often flew in a great curve for a really astonishing distance that night a pack ox got into the tent in which kermit and i were sleeping entering first at one end, and then at the other. It is extraordinary that he did not waken us, but we slept undisturbed while the ox deliberately ate our shirts, socks, and underclothes. It chewed them in rags. One of my socks escaped, and my undershirt, although chewed full of holes, was still good for some week's wear, but the other things were in fragments. In the morning Colonel Rondon arranged for us to have breakfast over on the benches under the trees by the waterfall whose roar lulled to a thunderous murmur had been in our ears before we slept and when we waked there could have been no more picturesque place for the breakfast of such a party as ours all travellers who really care to see what is most beautiful and most characteristic of the far interior of south america should on their journey visit this region and see the two great waterfalls they are even now easy of access and as soon as the traffic warrants it they will be made still more so. Then, from Sao Luis Caceres, they will be speedily reached by light steamboat up the Sepatuba and by a day or two's automobile ride with a couple of days on horseback in between. The colonel held a very serious council with a Parisian Indian over an incident which caused him grave concern. One of the commission's employees, a Negro, had killed a wild Nambiquera Indian but it appears that he had really been urged on and aided by the paresists, as the members of the tribe to which the dead Indian belonged were much given to carrying off the paresist women and in other ways making themselves bad neighbors. The colonel tried hard to get at the truth of the matter. He went to the biggest Indian house, where he sat in a hammock, an Indian child cuddling solemnly up to him, by the way, while the Indians sat in the other hammocks and stood around about, but it was impossible to get an absolutely frank statement it appeared however that the nabarqueries had made a descent on the Parises' village in the momentary absence of the men of the village but the latter notified by the screaming of the women had returned in time to rescue them the negro was with them and having good rifle he killed one of the aggressors the Parises were of course in the right but the colonel could not afford to have his men take sides in a tribal quarrel it was only a two hours march across to the papa at the falls of the uterity so named by the discoverer colonel rondon after the sacred falcon of the paresis on the way he passed our indian friends themselves bound thither both the men and the women bore burdens the burdens of some of the women poor things were heavy and even the small naked children carried the live hens at uterity there is a big Parissa settlement and a telegraph station kept by one of the employees of the commission his pretty brown wife is acting as schoolmistress to a group of little paresis girls the paresis chief has been made a major and wears a uniform accordingly the commission had erected good buildings for its own employees and had superintended the erection of good houses for the indians most of the latter still prefer the simplicity of the loincloth in their ordinary lives but they proudly wore their civilized clothes in our honor when in the late afternoon the men began to play a regular match game of head-ball with a scorer or umpire to keep count they soon discarded most of their clothes coming down to nothing but trousers or loincloth two or three of them had their faces stained with red ochre among the women and children looking on were a couple of little girls who paraded around on stilts the great waterfall was half a mile below us lovely though we had found salto bello these falls were far superior in beauty and majesty they were twice as high and twice as broad and the lay of the land is such that the various landscapes in which the waterfall is a feature are more striking a few hundred yards above the falls the river turns at an angle and widens the broad rapid shallows are crested with whitecaps beyond this wide expanse of flecked and hurrying water rise the mist columns of the cataract and as these columns are swayed and broken by the wind the forest appears through and between them from below the view is one of singular grandeur The fall is over a shelving ledge of rock which goes in a nearly straight line across the river's course, but at the left there is a salient in the cliff line, and here accordingly a great cataract of foaming water comes down almost as a separate body. In advance of the line of the main fall, I doubt whether, excepting, of course, Niagara, there is a waterfall in North America which outranks this if both volume and beauty are considered above the fall the river flows through a wide valley with gently sloping sides below it slips along a torrent of white-green water at the bottom of a deep gorge and the sides of the gorge are clothed with a towering growth of tropical forest next morning the cocaquay of these indians in his major's uniform came to breakfast and bore himself with entire propriety it was raining heavily it rained most of the time and a few minutes previously i had noticed the cacacoa's two wives with three or four other young women going out to the mandioc fields it was a picturesque group the women were all mothers and each carried a nursing child they wore cloths or short skirts each carried on her back a wickerwork basket supported by a head strap which went around her forehead each carried a belt slung diagonally across her body over her right shoulder in this the child was carried against and perhaps astride of her left hip there were comely women who did not look jaded or cowed and they laughed cheerfully and nodded to us as they passed through the rain on their way to the fields but the contrast between them and the chief in his soldier's uniform seated at breakfast was rather too striking and incidentally it etched in bold lines the folly of those who idealized the life Of even exceptionally good and pleasant-natured savages. Although it was a rainy season, the trip up to this point had not been difficult, and from May to October, when the climate is dry and at its best, there would be practically no hardship at all for travelers and visitors. This is a healthy plateau, but, of course, the men who do the first pioneering, even in country like this, encounter dangers and run risks, and they make payment with their bodies at more than one halting place we had come across the forlorn grave of some soldier or laborer of the commission the grave mound lay within a rud stockyard and an uninscribed wooden cross gray and weather-beaten marked the last resting place of the unknown and forgotten man beneath the man who had paid with his humble life the cost of pushing the frontier of civilization into the wild savagery of the wilderness farther west the conditions became less healthy at this station colonel rondon received news of sickness and of some deaths among the employees of the commission in the country to the westward which we were soon to enter beriberi and malignant malarial fever were the diseases which claimed the major number of the victims surely these are the men who do the work for which they draw the wage kermit had with him the same copy of kipling's poems which he had carried through africa at these falls there was one sunset of angry splendor and we contrasted this going down of the sun through broken rain clouds and over leagues of wet tropical forest, with the desert sunsets we had seen in arizona and sonora and along the Guasanero, north and west of mount Kinia, when the barren mountains were changed into flaming ramparts of slaughter and pearl standing above the wine-dark flats below it rained during most of the day after our arrival at uterity whenever there was any let-up the men promptly came forth from their houses and played headball with the utmost vigor and we would listen to their shrill undulating cries of applause and triumph until we also grew interested and strolled over to look on they are more infatuated with the game than an american boy is with baseball or football It is an extraordinary thing that this strange and exciting game should be played by, and only by, one little tribe of Indians in what is almost the very center of South America. If any traveler or ethnologist knows of a tribe elsewhere that plays a similar game, I wish he would let me know. To play it demands great activity, vigor, skill, and endurance. Looking at the strong, supple bodies of the players and at the number of children round about, it seemed as if the tribe must be in vigorous health yet the paresis have decreased in numbers for the measles and smallpox have been fatal to them by the evening the rain was coming down more heavily than ever it was not possible to keep the moisture out of our belongings everything became mouldy except what became rusty it rained all that night and daylight saw the downpour continuing with no prospect of cessation the pack mules could not have gone on with the march they were already rather done up by their previous ten days labor through the rain and mud and it seemed advisable to wait until the weather became better before attempting to go forward moreover there had been no chance to take the desired astronomical observations there was very little grass for the mules but there was abundance of small-leaved plant eight or ten inches high unfortunately not very nourishing on which they fed greedily in such weather and over such muddy trails oxen travel better than mules in spite of the weather cherry and miller whom together with father zahm and sig we had found awaiting us made good collections of birds and mammals among the latter were opossums and mice that were new to them the birds included various forms so unlike our home birds that the enumeration of their names would mean nothing One of the most interesting was a large black and white woodpecker, the white predominating in the plumage. Several of these woodpeckers were usually found together. They were showy, noisy, and restless, and perched on twigs in ordinary bird fashion, at least as often as they clung to the trees in orthodox woodpecker style. The prettiest bird was a tiny, mannequin, coal black with red and orange head. On February the 2nd, the rain led up although the sky remained overcast and there were occasional showers i walked off with my rifle for a couple of leagues at that distance from a slight hillock the mist columns of the falls were conspicuous in the landscape the only mammal i saw on the walk was a rather hairy armadillo with a flexible tail which i picked up and brought back to miller it showed none of the speed of the nine banded armadillos we met on our jaguar hunt judging by its actions as it trotted about before it saw me it must be diurnal in habits it was new to the collection i spent much of the afternoon by the waterfall under the overcast sky the great cataract lost the deep green and fleecy white of the sunlit falling waters instead it showed opaline hues and tints of topaz and amaranth. at all times and under all lights it was majestic and beautiful colonel rondon had given the indians various presents those for the women including calico prints and what they especially prized bottles of scented oil from paris for their hair the men held a dance in the late afternoon for this occasion most but not all of them cast aside their civilized clothing and appeared as doubtless they would all have appeared had none but themselves been present they were absolutely naked except for a beaded string around the waist most of them were spotted and dashed with red paint and on one leg were anklets which rattled a number carried pipes through which they blew a kind of deep stifled whistle in time to the dancing one of them had his pipe leading into a huge gourd which gave out a hollow moaning boon many wore two red or green or yellow macaw feathers in their hair and one had a macaw feather stuck traversely through the septum of his nose They circled slowly around and around, chanting and stamping their feet, while the anklet rattles clattered and the pipes droned. They advanced to the wall of one of the houses, again and again chanting and bowing before it. I was told this was demand for drink. They entered one house and danced in a ring around the cooking fire in the middle of the earth floor. I was told that they were then reciting the deeds of mighty hunters and describing how they brought in the game they drank freely from gourds and pannikins of a fermented drink made from manioc, which were brought out to them during the first part of the dance the women remained in the houses and all the doors and windows were shut and blankets hung to prevent the possibility of seeing out but during the second part all the women and girls came out and looked on they were themselves to have danced when the men had finished but were overcome with shyness at the thought of dancing with so many strangers looking on. The children played about with unconcern throughout the ceremony, one of them throwing high in the air and again catching in his hands a loaded feather, a kind of shuttlecock. In the evening the growing moon showed through the cloud rack. Anything approaching fair weather always put our men in good spirits, and the muleteers squatted in a circle by a fire near a pile of packs and listened to a long monotonously and rather mournfully chanted song about a dance and a love affair we ourselves worked busily with our photographs and our writings there was so much humidity in the air that everything grew damp and stayed damp and mold gathered quickly at this season it is a country in which writing taking photographs and preparing specimens are all work of difficulty at least so far as concerns preserving and sending home the results of the labor, and a man's clothing is never really dry from here father zom returned to a accompanied by sig end of chapter six